Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Coffee with Casey, where every week we go over market conditions and strategies in the real estate market. Uh, first of all, let's take a look at the real estate market and where we're going. In August of, of this year, right, we look at how did August do compared to the last, the average August of the last five years, right? So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to go online. We're going to take a look. I'm going to share my screen with everybody. Let's start with sales for August, right? So these are sales in Fairfax County, in Loudoun County, and in Prince William County. So the blue you can see is Fairfax County. In August of 2020-21, it was about 820 sales in the month. Now we're down to 578 sales. So you can see it's still a large drop-off from where we were at our peak. In Prince William County, the next biggest, you can see they got up to 496, and now they're at 270. So let's take a look at that. We had 496 sales, right? And in 2021, and this year we're at 270. So in, uh, in Loudoun County, which is the gold, um, the gold chart here, you can see that in 2021, they were up to 395 sales, 371 sales in 221. By the time you get to 220, uh, 223, it's 180 sales. So they've gone from 395 to 180. So that's off by almost 50%. So when we look at this, we just still have to understand that the market is really, and again, I'm not going to use the word soft. I'm just going to say sales are down. What does that mean? Real estate companies make less money. Settlement title companies make more money, make less money. Mortgage companies are making less money. So there's, there's less money in motion. And when money goes in motion, people sell houses and buy houses. That's when the economy does very well. The real estate segment, big segment of our economy. So we kind of look at that and we say, okay, well, Fairfax County's August sales then are down 21% for the month of August, 38% for Prince William County, 43% for Loudoun. So what does that say? Well, before, remember, everybody got pushed out because they could now live in Percyville or Round Hill. I'm sitting in Round Hill today. Buy a house because now people could work from home. Well, a lot of companies are calling people back. So maybe that working from home all the time is not a permanent thing. Maybe it was a temporary thing. So <clears throat> maybe their sales are down a little bit. And it, everything is relative. Remember, they had a bulk up of sales because everybody was moving out west or to Colorado, moving out where they could telecommute, get more house for the money. So there was a bubble. And now it looks like it's coming back down to earth. Okay. So let's look at this week. Okay. And I, 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 real estate markets are a week by week thing, right? Because when I put a house on this week, well, I really can't depend on what happened a month ago. I need to know what's going on this week. So what I do is I run what goes on in a week. How many houses go on the market? How many of them go under contract? How many go pending? How many have contingencies? How many coming soons are there? How many withdrew? So every week I look at the market because I need to be current on my markets that I work in. So let's look at this chart. What the chart shows you is let's say we go to someplace like McLean. All right, last week, only 15% of their homes sold. They were a success. They went on the market. They went pending under contract within 10 days. That's the goal. That is our goal. But only 15% of the teams did it the week before. 
This week, 18%. So that's a little bit of an improvement. Remember, back in May, these numbers were up in the 80s and 90s. Now they're down in the teens, right? So Vienna, last week, uh, week of September the 7th, only one out of 20 houses succeeded in getting it sold. This week, 33%, one out of three, right? That's a big deal when, when one week, you know, one out of 20 uh, is a success. And this week, you know, one third of the houses are a success. So big improvement in Vienna. Oakton went from zero to 19%. Oak Hill, about the same, about 19, 17, 19%. But look at Centerville. Centerville got skunked on the week of the 7th. And now Centerville had 40% of the homes going. So what does this say? This says that there are buyers out there. It says that people put their house on the market for the right price, on the right terms, then they're going to sell the house. So when you have 40% in Centerville, 38% in, in Haymarket, 40% in Aldi, these, you know, this is showing that when you put a house on the market, it's going to sell. It's going to sell, okay? So now, let me, let me take that back. There's a chance it's going to sell. Better chance this week than there was last week. But what it's telling me is buyers are in the market. Buyers are contracting houses. They are getting them done. So ours in the last two weeks, still at 100%. If we put them on, they're going under contract. Um, and we've got some real big ones coming up that we're going to test. We have probably two or three at 2 million, a little over 2 million. We have a couple right under 2 million. Um, some 1.3s, 1.4s. So you know, every week we're talking about how is the market going this week? Is it getting better or worse? Kind of like watching the stock market. I'm not going to give any predictions of the future. You know, we already, we live in the present. Here's what we need to do. We need to focus on what we can control, not what we can't control. We need to focus on the present, not the future. Or, you know, people need to buy a house. People need to sell a house. Let's focus on what's happening right now. Not what happened in the past. Your neighbor sold his house. $1.45 million, great. Yours a little bit bigger, great. But this is today. This is not four months ago or five months ago. So we need to focus on the present. We need to focus on what we can control, fixing the house up, pricing the house correctly, marketing it correctly. That's what we can control, not what we can't. Focus on what we have, not what we're missing. So we have certain characteristics of our house that are a benefit to the house. Well, the buyers are going to come in and they're going to talk about what's missing. Well, it's missing the big flat backyard. It's missing a third bathroom upstairs. It's, they always want to focus on what's missing. That's fine. We can understand there is something missing. And then you have to flip them and you have to talk about what you have. So what we have, not what's missing. What we can control, not what we can't control. And the present, not the past and not the future. Don't really care. We're living in the now, right? There are needs to buy and sell, so good teams need to do that. So, so that's the first part of, of the Coffee with Casey, and that is the market update. You know, is our sales down? Yes. Are opportunities there? Absolutely. Are buyers out? Yes. Before a buyer couldn't buy a house, now they can buy a house. I, my recommendation is if you're going to buy a house, go get a 2-1 buy down, which means the first year when you buy the house, your interest rate is 5.5%. The second year, your interest rate is 6.5%. The third year, your interest rate is 7.5%. And that's a function of buying down the interest rate during this period of time of high interest rates. Are they going to get a little higher? I think they are. I don't buy any of this 
Uh, and again, you've got the economists for N NV or NAR, National Association of Realtors, saying, well, next thing I see it at 6%. Yeah, I see it at 8 I, I think I can prove it. I think I can tell you that, you know, the reasons why I think there's going to be pressure on inflation, pressure and in, uh, inflation puts pressure on interest rates, interest rates go higher. That's just the way it is. All the elements are in place. Remember, in 2020, I came out with the perfect storm where I told everybody, you have lack of inventory, you have low interest rates, and you have pent-up buyer demand. And we had a, a talk about a perfect storm. Prices went up 25% in about a year and a half, right? So, um, you know, what's going on in the future? Don't worry about it. Worry about the present. If you have to sell, we sell at what it's worth. If you have to buy, you have to buy it. If prices go down another five, six percent, it is what it is. You're going to be in the house for 20, 30 years. Relax. Marry the house, date the rate, as we like to say. Okay. All right. So let's talk about how you operate in a market like this. Let's talk about medium teams. Okay. So I want to talk today about medium teams, why they're the best. I want to talk about network one, how no matter where you are in the country, no matter where you go, no matter who you know that lives in, whether it's sons or daughters or relatives or moms or dads, wherever they live, they can work with the number one medium team in that market, right? So let's talk about medium teams. In real estate, you have individual realtors, you know them by name, and they promote their name all over. Everybody knows who they are, one realtor. Uh, and then you have small teams, maybe two or three people, four people. And then you have medium teams, which are 10. They're classified as under 10 people. Then you have large teams under 20 and mega teams, which are over 20, you know, 100, 125 people in a team. So who's the best to work with? Well, in my opinion, I think the medium teams are the number one team. So if I was going to refer my parents to somebody in Florida, I'd want to know who's the number one team in that market area, right? Medium team, medium, not big, not small, medium. So why medium teams? So the characteristics of medium team are you have a team leader. So in the Casey Sampson team, that would be me. And then you have up to 10 professional realtors that all work under them. Now, why is that good? Because the information that top producers are feeding each other back and forth is incredible. Let me get rid of this. Let me just stop doing that. So the interaction between 10 top real estate professionals is incredible. I may not know who the best person is to handle the sump pump, but somebody in that team does. I may not know who the best electrician is, but somebody in that team does. So, you know, the best practices of 10 top professionals, incredible. Nobody's babysitting anybody. So it's really the focus. It all comes down to one word, focus. What does a medium team focus on? Well, a, a mega team focuses on... <coughs> recruiting agents and getting leads. Buy leads from Zillow, buy leads from realtor.com, buy leads from this, buy leads from that. Their, their only interest is buying leads. Put a home on the market, no matter what the price is, so you can generate open houses. If I can generate open houses from my mega team, then that's good because I can get them busy. They can try and get business off that. Now, is that focus good for the seller or is it good for a mega team? It's good for the mega team, not good for the seller. Um, the focus of a medium team is very simple. They want to be the best they can possibly be at selling a house. 
just sell a house, right? Best marketing plan, best pricing, best, best way of handling contracts. So focus on just how can I sell this house? So when we're really good at that, then we tell all the neighbors, we just sold their neighbor's house. Then they come in and then their neighbor's neighbors. And then each person, it's like a tree. Each person is a tree. They will send, if you're really good, they'll send their mom, their dad, their kids. So, so get a house, be an expert on how to sell a house or how to buy a house. Be that expert. So the focus for a medium team is make sure you're experts on pricing strategy, marketing plan, um, uh, contract negotiations, you know, all of that, the home inspections. So be the best you can be at just getting that house sold and then tell the neighbors and then tell the neighbors and then they have, and then each person becomes a referral source, right? Which is a great thing. You know, that to me is a way to grow the business. So if each person that comes onto that team gets stronger because now they're learning things Ferris is learning things from Johnny. Johnny's learning things from us. I'm learning things from, you know, everybody's learning on that team, but it all really focuses of how am I going to sell this house? It's focus, right? Now, what's the focus of a uh, individual agent? Well, I couldn't handle more than two deals a month, to be honest with you. So their focus is trying to control this mass mayhem. There may be five or six or seven houses at one time in um, before the pandemic hit, one agent had $70 million worth of homes on the market and she was an individual agent, $70 million worth of unsold homes on the market. So it's really, that's just managing chaos, right? Not selling a house. The focus of medium teams are selling a house. I'm gonna talk about how that helps people all around the country and how this thing spreads, which is really, really nice. But the first thing you need to realize is why medium teams? Well, there's another reason why why medium teams. So we've got some really special people on our team. You got Julie Hart, which is phenomenal. She does all the marketing. She does geofencing, which is expensive. And Google Ads, which is expensive. But she's, a, she's perfected the social media part of this, of how to take that house and market it correctly to get people from all over the area to look at that house. A person in Arlington maybe looking at a house that costs $2 million. In Vienna, it costs 1.6. So if we can reach out to the buyers looking in Arlington to look at these homes in Vienna, they're going to find a great deal. I'm in Round Hill right now. If we had a person in Round Hill, we'd be marketing to people in Oakton and Vienna and closer in where this home that I'm sitting in, probably out here 1.2, probably in Vienna 1.8. Go figure. You know, when they see what they can get a little farther out, then maybe they'll take that drive that's 20 minutes a little farther than you think it is. So, so we can afford somebody like Julie. We can afford somebody like Michelle, who is the communications expert. Mich Michelle is communications par excellence. And you can afford, you know, somebody to make sure, Sharon, to make sure all these listings look great and everything is done and coordinated. So you see, it really takes 10 of us to afford a Julie or to afford a Michelle, or to afford a Sharon. And if there's only one or two or three of us, we can't afford it. We just can't afford it. And if there's 30 or 40 of us, then our attention is somewhere else. Our attention is, how are we going to get more leads for 30? How are you going to feed 
40 real estate agents. Think about that for a minute. I mean, is your focus really on selling a house if you're trying to, to get leads for 40 agents? So, so let's, let's take the network. Network one is what I call it, right? So we're the number one team in the state of Virginia. But really, am I the best team to handle a Richmond deal? No. Or, or a, a Fredericksburg deal? No, not. But I know the number one team in Fredericksburg. I know the number one team in Richmond. I know the number one team in Dallas, Texas, or in Fort Worth, or all of these. So, so when you work with a top team, then it's a one call, one call to the best team, medium team, in that market, right? So let me give you an example. I had somebody going to Dallas, and uh, we went to the, to the medium team in Dallas. You know, not really crazy about that team or what they were doing. So we went to the second team. Well, guess what? That was the guy. They, they, they had the similar thought and mentality that we had. So really, when we're looking for an agent, we usually don't have to go more than one or two, either the top team in that area or the number two team in that area, medium-sized teams. And there you go. So, so this network of network one is very powerful. Um, you know, I had a friend, friend had a house, couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it, couldn't sell it. And I just didn't want to, you know, get it. I don't want to get involved with friends. They're my friends, right? So finally, you realize that the person's trying to sell this house, sold them the, or a condo, sold them the condo. So I said, well, let me look her up. Well, she's never sold any other house. She's never listed any other house. She's not a listing agent. So what we did was put them in touch with a professional medium team down in Florida so they could get that thing sold. And they did and at the correct price. <clears throat> so the focus here is if somebody's living outside of the area. Now, let's be clear on this. The difference between doing this right and wrong, the difference between selling a house correctly and not correctly in, in Northern Virginia, $200,000. $200,000, the difference between people that get 105% for their houses and 120% or 125% for the house, that's a $200,000, $250,000 spread. That's a big spread. So what's at risk? You put it on the market and it's not a success. It's going to sit. People are going to think something's wrong with it. Then you go into what we call the pricing death spiral, where you start dropping it down and down. And they still think something's wrong with it. Well, they know you couldn't get this. Now you're asking this. Well, then nobody's going to bid it up and they're waiting and they're waiting and you're going into a death spiral. So the difference between putting it on correctly, correct marketing, correct staging, correct um, pricing, uh, correct testing and predictive analysis. There's a big difference between people that bid a house up or let a house go down in a spiral. So what we want to do is we want to make sure that in a market like this, where I don't worry about it at all, I'm not worried at all. I'm putting houses on the market. We're getting them under contract. But you have to have a plan in a market like this, medium teams, right? I love having this medium team. Um, and and uh, Johnny will come to me and we have a problem and an issue. Let's, let's solve it. Let's come through it. Ferris has one. Let's, let's, let me give you a perfect example. Uh, Ferris has a $2.5 million house. Um, uh, the buyer loses their job. I, it might've been two weeks before settlement. The buyer loses their job. 
all hell breaks loose, right? This is a big deal. This is a big, this is the biggest sale in, biggest sale in, uh, in Willisford. So <clears throat> we all get together. We don't panic. You know, you don't never panic, right? We're all football coaches here. You don't panic. So you come up with a plan. Well, first of all, does he still want the house if he had a job? Yes. Okay. Then the, then the, the goal number one is let's see if he can find a comparable job where they can make him an offer and the offer itself will let him qualify for the mortgage. So that's the first plan. Keep the same buyer that wants the house in the house. Plan two, who else was looking at it? Let's go find another contract. So you're working in parallel tracks to handle this. And that's why when, you're, when you, you have 10 experienced professionals all talking and about what we're doing and how we're doing it, so that's what's called best practices. This is the best practices. And it just grows. And that's why, you know, that's why when I'm looking to send somebody to New York, I'm going to find the number one medium team in New York. I'm going to interview them, make sure they're number one, make sure that they have a similar mentality that we have. And if that works, they're in. I rarely get to number two, but sometimes you do. You know, some people's, has a very lofty opinion of themselves. I have no time for that. I need a worker bee. I need a guy that's a, I need people, not a guy. I need, I need realtors that are workaholics, just like we are, that are professionals, that when I ask them five questions, they give me the right answers. Like I said, I'm a football coach. I can sit down and talk football with a person and tell you really quick whether they're a real football coach or just a dad coach in football. There's a big difference in the two. There's a big difference between a professional realtor and a person selling real estate. So, so let's talk about this referral way we can do it. If somebody has a friend or family member or business associate or even a neighbor, they can refer them to a medium team. In Northern Virginia, we can handle it. But in Fredericksburg, we would put it to another medium team. Or in Winchester, we'd have another medium team. Or in Dallas, Texas, we'd have another medium team. Get people in the hands of someone who is a professional and can help. And let me tell you, why this is really, really important. For your parents, we want them taken care of. For your kids, we want them taken care of, obviously. But let's talk about your neighbors. <clears throat> if your neighbor gets a bad realtor and that bad realtor puts it on too high and doesn't prepare it and the price comes in low, what does that do to the value of your house? It drives your house down, right? So if I'm a neighbor and, and somebody I know is... Uh, uh, going to hire somebody to do it, I would at least say, we need to get a good realtor to help, you know, get this in. I would at least nudge them and recommend the proper realtors. I have neighbors recommend people to me all the time. Why? Because they know that if we get the job done and we get multiple contracts and they bid it up, the value of the whole neighborhood goes up. The whole neighborhood. The value of the person that referred them to us, their house goes up. So what we're trying to avoid is we're trying to avoid a dumpster fire or a disaster in a neighborhood that suppresses prices. We had, there's a neighborhood in, in, in Oakton, right off of Vale Road, first, first, first left. They kept putting houses on at elevated prices and they would sit for a year or two. Now, what do you think that does to the pricing value of the whole neighborhood? It brings it down. So homes sitting on the market does no good for people that are in, for neighbors. So, you know, whether it's a neighbor, 
or whether it's a, a business associate or a family member or a friend, make sure you refer them. Now, you can refer them to us and we will find the number one team in Network One to get them to work with, or number one medium team. If they can send them to us, we'd be happy to help. Now, we're working with the Samson Properties referral agents, right? Because those agents invested money. They understand real estate. They've invested money to get a license. This is a business, not a hobby. So, so they can find people that are either involved, that have had death, divorce, uh, di death, divorce, you know, the reasons for selling a house right now, death, divorce, downsizing, and desperation, right? Uh, people have lost a job. People were mortgage bankers where they were making $400,000 and now they're not, right? So there are people that just come into tough times and don't panic. Get them in the hands of a professional. So if, if, if I am, and I, this happens all the time, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, I, I want to sell a house in Winchester. It's a piece of land for 10 acres. I'm not going to be doing it. I'm going to refer it to somebody who does. So put it in the hands of an expert. If you're not an expert in that area, put it in the hands of somebody that is. And that's the way real estate works. Now, I hope I've cleared up a couple of things. One, medium teams are the way to go. And for you realtors that listen, I know a lot of you do, you should work to build that team of 10 top producing agents that are all feeding off each other, that can all support really good staff. And your number one focus is selling that house, being an expert at selling a house. Then you tell the neighbors, then they tell it, and so on and so forth and build your tree. That's the way you build a real estate business. My name is Casey Sampson. You've been listening to Coffee with Casey. I know I've been on my own personal website instead of uh, the Casey Sampson team. And I have no idea why, because it didn't allow me to put it on the Casey Sampson team today. We'll see you again next week on Coffee with Casey. If you need me, I'm at 703-508-2535. Or you can reach me at Casey at CaseySampson.com. We'll see you next week. Bye now.